Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together. It's uh, it's Wednesday the 14th of December when I'm recording this, uh, which means I'm deep in a panto run. And this I'm calling Panto 2022-3. This is the third uh, in a little series, I suppose, which has emerged without any uh, foreplanning or anything. Um, of just me sitting at the mic talking, not just about Panto, but about... Um, I guess the experience of of the actor, but also as much as anything else, for today anyway, the experience of the human being um, as actor, and um, I suppose what I want to talk about, this is kind of like a Dear Diary thing, but it's, I want to touch on kind of the, the crossover between the day-to-day life and the time spent on stage and really what I want to admit to I suppose is having trouble with the former. Being comfortable on stage, very happy, in a state of flow, enjoying the experience, um, feeling like my best self and you know, I suppose I'll, I'll apologise up front if any of this sounds cliched or hackneyed. You know, it's not... It's If it does, it's just because it's been true for many people, I think. Uh, but yeah, but having trouble then with the other stuff, which is being off stage and just relating to people um, and also going through the motions of day-to-day life. Um I have this strange sense that <laughs> probably everyone has it. This is much harder for me than it is for anybody else. That thing. You know, surely people aren't you know, everyone seems to sort of breeze into the green room and just do their do their job and then go home. <clears throat> and they have time to do all manner of you know, they, they manage to attend social occasions and they say, Oh, I went for a haircut or I don't know, whatever. They live life sometimes. Less and less as the run goes on, of course, as we get closer to Christmas. Um But I sort of leave the theatre and go into this kind of stressful mode trying to just chase my tail to keep up with life and think, oh, I haven't been in touch with friends properly. Um, You know, I've got a lot of things piling up. I've got parking tickets, you know, things that I'm not really dealing with. I should really do some washing and tidy up a bit and... And I think, really, um, I have to do all that as well? Uh, Of course I do. Everyone does. Um, I I wonder if there's a connection to when I started out doing this stuff, I was really young and one of the things I really liked about it was it took me away from school and normal life because I wasn't all that enamored with school a normal life, particularly secondary school because I didn't have a very good time there so doing being in the theatre was an escape from that and once I went to the theatre all I had to do was you know, remember my lines and do the stuff that we rehearsed and I knew how it was going to go and then you know, everything else was just sort of taken care of life is on hold and I suppose, I suppose that's still, so you have to excuse me, there's a few holes in my voice at the moment. I suppose that's still the case 
to some extent. When I go in to the theatre or step on stage, it's kind of like, right, I just have to do this now. And all that other stuff can wait or it doesn't exist, you know? Um, and that, you know, that was fine when I was wee because all that other stuff, you know, got taken care of or maybe didn't need taken care of, you know, or, or you've got people making you dinner because you're a kid. Excuse me. But now, <laughs> I'm at the point where I, I I can't imagine how anyone goes home and, and cooks, for example, just for example, after doing two shows. And some people do. And I just think, there's no way I can't. Like, I don't have anything left. So of course I'm going to go somewhere and, and buy something already made because surely not. Now, this is, that's just one example. But I mean... I don't see how it's possible to upkeep a day-to-day life of of any, you know, with any great sort of integrity or, or in any detail and still do this job. And what I really wish is that I didn't have to in some way. <laughs> I had this thought yesterday and it said to me, it would be great to be successful enough that I didn't have to do all the other stuff of life. Now, I mean, if you dig into that, what what does that mean? Does that mean that I want to, you know, things to be going so well that I don't have to, I don't know, sit in traffic or walk my dog or, you know, I don't know. I'm just putting all this out today because my head is full of it. And um, I find it, I find it difficult, but I, I do find it interesting. <clears throat> I mean, I, when I was when I was performing as a kid, I, I always thought it must be great to be in the adult company because they don't have to go to school in the day and then come to work. I, I imagine they just did nothing all day. All they do is get up and and go to the theatre. That's it. Um, and I spoke to an older actor at the time. I think it was Patsy Rowland, and uh, she said, "No, of course I I do stuff." I, I said, "Well, what will you do tomorrow?" She said, "Well, I have to I have to go to the post office, and you know, have to iron some clothes." Or I can't remember exactly what she said, but she sort of disabused me of the notion that all she had to do was show up at the theatre. And yet, you know, I don't know. Um. Surely other people don't find just living this difficult. I mean, I'm I'm very um lucky. I don't I don't have, you know, major problems to deal with. And yet I I get out of the theatre and I think, oh god, all this life stuff that I have to do. I'd rather just be on stage. Um all the time, I guess. I hope you can relate to some of this because I, I, I do feel strange saying it. Um I'd love to hear back from you if you if you relate to this. Um because it does sound awful dramatic, doesn't it? And I don't intend it to be. But I'm trying to, to share honestly, you know, what some of the stuff that goes through my head. And a separate thing, although although related, is this thing about relating to people. 
Um, and I, when I find people on stage, I find them consistent because they say the same thing and I know what they're going to say, or roughly, and they look the same and they wear the same clothes. And I sort of feel able to deal with that. Maybe it's control, I don't know. Um, and off stage, I can have the greatest time with them. But also, if they um, they don't laugh at one of my jokes or something, I can go into, I can spiral and think, oh no, they, you know, I've offended them and they don't like me anymore and all this stuff. This is hugely embarrassing to tell you, but it's true. And anyone who knows me closely already knows this. Um, so when when relating to people on an interpersonal level is that fraught, or can be that fraught, depending on many factors like mood, um, when I last ate, if I've had enough water, sleep, all the rest of it, then it sort of follows that I'd rather just do less of that and more of the on-stage bit. Um, I tell you what I really do like, although it does involve relating to people, <laughs> which I find sometimes difficult, but often wonderful, is a long gap between shows. And we don't, you know, a lot of time spent in the green room where it's not really long enough for people to go home. So people hang about and we sit and we eat and we talk rubbish and hours and hours go by. I'm very happy in that state because that's, real life is outside the door, you see, at that time. Because we're still at work, but we don't actually have to do anything, but we can't really go anywhere. It's sort of like the feeling I get when I'm in an airport terminal. Even if I have to wait a few hours. I think, well, everything that I would ever need for this period of time is somewhere in this building. It's around me. So when we're in the green room, you know, the kettle and the microwave and everything is there. And there's a there's a shop right outside that has everything you would need. And you don't need to go anywhere and everything's sort of taken care of and life is on hold. And I think that's the same as the airport. The shops are all there. If you need anything, you've got your bag on your back. That's your whole life and everything else. All the bills that are sitting in the envelopes in, in the house, they're, you don't have to worry about them right now. Uh, you don't have to show up at some social occasion that you feel uncomfortable at. You don't have to go to a meeting that you, you, you don't know how to deal with. Auditions. <laughs> phone calls that, that you know, are fraught with uncertainty, all that stuff. It's just all on hold and you're in the green room or you're in the airport terminal and for a, for a couple of hours, everything's okay. Life is really simple. That's what it is. And there's a similar simplicity in repeating a show. I've talked about it so many times about the idea of loving to get a real run at a show and get a chance to repeat it. Because it's in that space where I really start to enjoy it. It's predictable enough that I know what's happening. But it's unpredictable enough that there's the magic of, you know, if something changes or if I decide to change something or if someone shouts something out, we can go with it. But we're within these very strict and close parameters which make us feel, which make me feel safe and looked after. Um, but this is not a sustainable way to go about a life, is it? It's not. Um, 
<clears throat> and sometimes I think about the future. Well, I often think about the future. And I think, well, can I can I sustain this? How you know how long can this go on for? I mean, first of all, it requires me to be working in a theatre, which is not always the case. Um, and don't get me wrong, it's not. I, I don't always feel this same way. That's the nature of everything is that it changes. But um, I suppose the reason that I am introspective about it and concerned is mainly because the the bad parts are bad, but the good parts are the best. You see, so. In an ideal world, I would do this all the time because the good parts of it are just exquisite. Being on stage, full house, great panto script, everything around you, all these great people, great gags, you know, everything's well rehearsed and in good shape and I'm confident about it and there's nothing better. I just love it. I just love it. I love every minute of it. Even being tired out by it. You know, even just being on the edge of collapsing because of it. Love it. And then it comes with it, these scary lows where I don't know who I am, uh, how to be with people. I'm, I, I spend a lot of time worrying, um, questioning what, what other people are thinking, what their motives are, what's going on behind their eyes. Um, if I said or did the wrong thing. Uh, am I being enough on stage? Am I being too much on stage? These are all the things that are going through my head when I'm not actually on stage. And I suppose you often hear the the question sort of mandated around if if people, you know, if you could take away your uh, mental health struggles, let's say, would you? And many people end up answering no. Because if you took away all the difficulties, you might lose all the triumphs. If you took away the terrible lows, then you might lose the great highs. We need to know one to know the other. And one complements the other and um, accentuates the other. Also, like I've said, everything changes. You know, change is the only constant. So... Even if I feel whatever I feel in the day, it doesn't last. And then I can go into this elation, you know, delusional almost, um, or delirious, I should say, not delusional, delirious laughter, um, you know, hysteria, and so much fun. And then I get to go on stage and sort of share all that fun with hundreds of people who are there to have fun too. And um, <clears throat> those good bits I wouldn't change for the world, you know. So, as ever, I don't have any conclusions, um, but I do wonder if you relate to this. I wonder how you feel about it. And, you know, maybe I could excuse it, I could say, I'm just tired, or whatever. But the thing is, I come back round to this all the time. I come back round to the feeling that being on stage is more comfortable than being in life than being generally in my own skin and in between shows I'm just marking time until I do the show again really, you know um, I'm grateful for an evening off tonight and it's the last one for a, for a while 
Um, but I felt like the the world was on my shoulders. I had to, what did I have to do? I had to pack up the dog's stuff and bring the dog back from the theatre with the crate and the food and all bits and bobs. Uh, I had to walk the dog before that. And then when I got home, I had to bring all the bits upstairs to the room where I'm staying in the, in the digs. Then I had to put on a load of washing. And, I, and then I thought, oh, I'll have to do the podcast. And after that, I'll have to think about eating something. And then as soon as possible, I went to sleep. Um, and I've got to tell you, that felt like so much. And I had to say to myself, and I said it to myself out loud several times, right, just one thing at a time. Just bring this bag up the stairs and put it down. And then the next thing, you know. And the truth, of course, is that that's the only way to do anything. But we forget and we project. And we go, right, I've got to do all this stuff before tomorrow. Well, right now I've got to just talk. Right now I'm talking and that's it. That's my entire existence right now, isn't it? So, is it, you know, is it just marking time until going back to the theatre? And why is normal life, why does it feel so heavy and difficult? Do you resonate with that? Um, I mean, I've not got it hard. I've I've got a relatively easy life, I think. Um, when I look at it as as objectively as I can, people always tell me I'm very busy, and I think I'm very lazy. I'm busy in the sense that I do lots of things, but I'm lazy in the sense that I'm really doing those things to get them done, so that I can either go to bed or do the show. So tonight I'm just doing doing all the things so that the things are done. And this includes eating. Uh, so that you get that done so that I can lie in bed and fall asleep. And I suppose ultimately in this season, the aim, the next step of that is lie in bed, fall asleep, wake up and it's time to go back to work. And then everything's cool, you know. So I've often said I'm the, I'm the busiest lazy person that I know. Um, and I have heard other people you know, chime with that on a number of occasions. So it's interesting how things look from the outside versus how they look on the inside. And I talked a little bit about it a couple of episodes ago, going to see other pantos and seeing people sort of coast around the stage, I guess, and look as if they're just lightly, you know, they wear this they wear this show like a, a light garment and with such ease. They deftly weave their way through this thing for us and we sit and we take it all in and then we go home and, and I imagine that they, you know, sit and have a have urbane conversation and then get ready and put on their pristine costumes and go and do it all again. In fact, what I forget, and it's mad that I would forget it because I know so much about it, like I know it so well, I forget the mania that's going on behind the scenes and I forget the sweat and the tiredness Um and goodness knows, like, who who knows the thinking? Because there probably are other people who appear to be lightly wearing their panto and having a wonderful time who are going through similar strange things in their heads to what I am. Um, but I don't see that. But what we do is we compare our insides to other people's outsides. And it never works. I mean, it's it's exactly why taking any, you know, serious feelings from social media is dangerous because we're seeing 
the highlight reel of people's lives. Um, and I suppose you could extend that thinking to listening to this podcast or any podcast. Because when I listen to podcasts that I like, I think I... It's hard to even put into words. I think I imagine that the person speaking... Um, well, I guess where's it lightly, like I said, and they, they just sit down in a, in a cosy studio and effortlessly speak and then the rest of their life is a breeze and that's all they really need to do is do this podcast and everything else is just whatever, chill, you know. And of course that's not the case. You know that's not the case with me and I know it's not the case with any other podcaster that I listen to and yet I compare the way I feel inside doing this and everything else that I do to the way other people appear on the outside. And, and those comparisons, of course, always leave something, you know, to be desired. They come up short. They don't work. It's apples and oranges. But are we, are we doomed to this? You know, as, as actors or as creatives or as artists, are we, is this just part of the territory, this, this overthinking and this analysis of how we think and feel? of what other people are doing and thinking. Is it just the human condition? Is it more prevalent in artists, creative people? I don't know any of the answers to these questions, but I'm interested in them. Because we can we can definitely be led astray by uh, romanticising the lives of, of artists that have gone before us when those lives were perhaps tortured or tragic, you know. It can be fascinating to read and, and hear about them, but we can romanticise that tragedy uh, and, and fetishise it, you know. And is there a sense in which we have or play out these tortured life narratives because we know that those are the narratives we've heard about before? Do, do, you know, do we romanticise the nature of uh, the notion of the tortured artist because it's an archetype that we've been fed and gotten used to over centuries so we believe it's inevitable in some way or to put it a different way is it in fact completely possible to be an artist or creative person and have excellent mental health good work-life balance and you know be free of existential crises is that is that entirely possible and we just get caught in some other way of looking at it because that's the way it's been that's the prevalent narrative that we're fed or that we've listened to and enjoyed or maybe not enjoyed um i don't know i don't know um but surely some of this introspection is in some way useful or points to the fact that this mind of the artist is is looking at the world in a particular way through a lens um that's not just everything's all good you know i don't know i'm all right jack let's get on with it there is more to it of course there is and and does that does that sideways look at the world, to use a tired phrase, um, 
does that um, help the artist be be the artist? Is that a requirement? Maybe. I mean, if um, if Mark Rothko were a well-adjusted man who looked at the world the way all the people around him looked at the world and had a had a, a normal um, day-to-day life, <clears throat> didn't have any rage against the machine or any of these things, then would he be Mark Rothko? Would we be left with his legacy of work? I don't... I would say no. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Mark Rothko. Come on. I'm a better painter than that. <laughs> um, yeah, so does it come with the territory and, and would we be unwise to try and challenge that or to remove it? It being the the torture, let's say, for shorthand. I don't know. Um, but I kind of love it. It's never done. Um, we we feed ourselves perhaps the lie that this show, this this show will do it. This will make me feel complete, or this will show them they'll all understand now what it's all about, or or this will solve things. Then you do the show, and it can be wonderful. You might be off thinking about the next show because you think, yeah, that was good, but you know, got to do something else. So it's never ending, um, and maybe that's what makes the artist, or or that's that's how people remain in the business because they don't stop because they're not done. They didn't they didn't complete anything yet. There's always a chance to do something a bit better or to hit the nail more closely on the head. Um, I mean, I've started toying with the idea of a new play and now what happens is I'm doing the panto, but I'm also thinking about this play every day. And I'm imagining this version, despite everything I know about myself and everything I've just said for the last half hour, I'm imagining this version of myself who does this new play. It's a play for me to perform. And this version of myself is better adjusted to the world. And is is performing this play and is taking care of day-to-day life at the same time with ease. And uh, is somehow more sophisticated and uh, takes everything in his stride more than I currently do. Now we're talking about a version of me that might be six months from now. If that. It might be even sooner if I get a shot to put the play on. So... It's it's unlikely that I'm going to be a whole different person. <laughs> but for some reason, my mind still toys with that idea. So it's not as simple as I want to write this thing and perform it. There's, there's definitely more to it. It's, oh, if I do perform this, I'll be able to um, improve myself or I'll be able to show the people who watch this um, more of what's inside my head or <clears throat> I'll be able to get closer to the truth of it all um, because is there, is there a sense in which I'm, you want to 
complete something or tick a box or something and you never get to tick it. I think we see, if I go and see other people do plays that I really enjoy or shows of any kind, it's a wee bit harking back to the the conversation about the panto and people gliding through. I look at their work and I think, ah, they must feel that sense of I'm doing it, this is it, I'm not looking forward to it, I'm not looking back on it, this is it, I'm in this, I'm doing it, I'm right now. Now, if only I could feel that, you see? But the fact is that they're probably, just the same as everyone, they're probably projecting, worrying, um, thinking about how they should have done things, how they might do things next time, they might be thinking about the next job. And perhaps there are people who have seen things that I've done and think, he he must uh, he must be in the moment. He must realise that he's doing the thing now. Like this is it. And that's the that's the big one, isn't it? It's the sense that this right now, what we are doing, and I mean this exact moment, is our life. This is not us doing a wee thing so that we can do life later. So we get this finished and then we we do life. The truth is that this is it, this is all we ever have, so you and me together just now is absolutely the only moment for us, and yet our minds tell us, you know, just I'll listen to this podcast while I'm doing the dishes and blah blah blah, and then, and then, 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 and then, you know, it's the disease of, and then, then I'll be better, and then I'll feel better, then I'll feel different, then I'll do the show, and then I'll, then they'll see, you know, that's a funny one, isn't it? They'll see as if I've got something to prove to someone and I don't. And, hmm, I don't know. But the and then thing is, I think, can plague any of us, you know. But it's now. This is it. I saw there's a there's a woman I follow on TikTok who's making her way and um, auditioning for musical theatre production. She, I think she was on a cruise ship for a bit and... She sort of shared the journey of, you know, her burgeoning successes and things like that. She put, posted a video yesterday and she was walking down the street in New York and she was on the way to an audition. Or she was on the way to do a show that she's in and she had spent the morning doing a self-tape or something like that. And she said, I've just realised, this is it, I'm doing it right now. This is the thing I wanted to do and I'm doing it. I'm not trying to get to a point where I'm doing it. I'm at, this is it. And I'd be wise to you know, keep that in mind. Because right now, I am doing it. I'm doing the the Dame thing that I've wanted to do for so long. I'm doing the podcast thing that I wanted to do for so long. And so many other things, you know, I'm thinking about writing something. Like, that I can call myself someone who writes things, a writer, maybe. Always wanted that. This is the this is the version of your life that probably a five years ago or ten years ago you wished for. There's every chance that you're doing right now a lot of the things that five years ago you wouldn't believe that you get to do. Whatever it is. And maybe five years from now you will look back and say, ah, I should have savoured that because I was doing it and I bloody missed it. So we, we we mustn't miss it. <laughs> Maybe I have come to some conclusions. I don't know. 
I feel a bit better now than I did when I started talking to you. It's the oldest story in the book, isn't it? Be in the moment. Be in the now. This is it. And you know, while I've been talking to you, the washings, the machine does the washing for you. Have you ever think about that? It's amazing. Like people say, I'll have to do all this washing. You don't know. You have to put all this washing in a machine to, and it'll do it for you. It's great. So in the time it takes me to give you this podcast, I'll go back down to the machine and, and the clothes will be clean. So there you go. That's that done. Big deal, right? Oh, big deal. I have to do the washing. Poof. There's been a block of cheese in my bedroom for a week and a half. Now it's cold in here. It's it's sealed, it's in the package, but it was in with some chocolates and things that I had in a bag and I thought I had taken all the fridge stuff out. But it's still here. Davisto cheddar, Cornwall. So I wonder, I mean, answers on a postcard, if I put it in the fridge now, was, will it be alright? It'll be alright, won't it? I guess if it's not mouldy, probably be fine. It's a nice bit of cheese, that. Anyway, Fenway's having a wee sniff around. Good boy. Ah, oh, good man. Yes, Fenway's uh, not the, not quite the easygoing, bring him to work all the time dog that I maybe envisaged. Although it's still early days, but it's he can be quite a handful, and I've found that quite stressful, you know. And again, that's sort of like, I want to just be doing the show and not have anything else in the way bugging me. I don't want there to be a problem with the dog. I don't want anyone to be phoning me and that's unreasonable I want to do the show and for nothing else to ever go wrong or need attention and I don't mean that I don't want the dog to be around I just mean I want the dog to be um low maintenance and I just focus on doing the show but that's not how life works even for the most successful people you know that I've seen in shows they still have to go away and do the do their washing like I said at the beginning is is what I want to be successful, maybe read rich enough to, you know, have someone do all that for me. I would like that though, wouldn't you like to have a PA? That would be good. But I'd, I'd be the same, because I'd be micromanaging the PA. I'd be saying, can you do this, but can you do it this way? Because that's the way I would do it. Be as well doing it myself. I don't know. So I suppose it's like, yeah forget this notion that somewhere in the future there's this perfect version of you doing this perfect job where there are no problems and nothing in the way because cause we'll look back on this season probably and say oh, I remember when I was in that thing that was great one thing I do like is that when I look back I tend not to remember certainly not viscerally the bad feelings I tend to just remember the overall sense of the thing and and the fun we had even on stuff that didn't go so well I can look back and say oh that was a laugh though and at the time I could be tortured and you know on and off but I'll look back and I'll think ah yeah remember that that was good I don't know if that's a, a a human thing that just happens or whether I'm blessed with that it's quite nice because I look back and I seem to really vividly remember the good stuff. Or not specific stuff as much as overall a good feeling. Like it was 
tipped in favour of good. Maybe it was more than 50% good, so somehow, you know, I just remember that. And I go, oh yeah, I remember some good stuff about that. I remember a generally good feeling about that. So if and when I do look back at this, I'll say, oh yeah, that was good. (laughs) I'll probably forget that I was sitting here for hours talking to you, saying how I struggle with it, and I don't know how to deal with it, and all that stuff. So I'd be interested to know how you feel about this stuff. Um, not because I, I need to then do another episode and read out your answers or anything like that. Just just drop me a line, you know. Because um, I like to keep these conversations going. And I, I've probably said this before, but I don't want it ever to be, to seem like I think that I'm some voice of authority on anything what I'm doing here is is just sharing my experience and asking questions about that and if that's useful or interesting to you then then listen and reply to me but it's not you know um I've not cast myself in the role as expert or guru or anything like that and I hope it doesn't come across like that because it's really not what I'm doing I guess I'm fortunate enough to have this podcast that we've built up together and now I get a chance every now and again to sit down on my own and just use that space to talk but it's not um I'm sure you're aware it's not a lecture or a um a talk it's just musing it's just meandering through my head a wee bit um so I hope it doesn't come across as indulgent or or egotistical or any of these things um I guess you don't have to listen to it. I mean, if you've made it this far, you, you're probably somewhat on board. But yeah, also you're free to listen to any episodes you like and not listen to other episodes. You take what you like and leave the rest. That's cool. Um, and it's good, actually. It's come at a good time that, I'm, that I feel confident enough to be able to, to talk and do solo episodes because I, there's no way I could maintain a guest a week um, with the rate of work at the moment but luckily I found a wee hour tonight to just bring you something to open up my head and sort of lay it in front of you and say what the hell is this <laughs> so so yeah give me a shout on any of the usual platforms Pit CC Pod on Instagram and Twitter putting it together on Facebook and if you'd like to support the show financially you'd be joining the ranks of some some valiant heroes of mine um, and you can do it very simply by going to puttingittogethercast.com and clicking on donate. Puttingittogethercast.com, click on donate. You can give a one-off amount, small or large, or you can give a monthly amount where you subscribe to the show. Um, it's like the equivalent of buy me a drink or buy me a coffee every month. You could do two quid, three quid, a five, or if you, if you want and if you can afford it. And it gets split evenly between me and Cole, who produces the show, does all the social media Um and is a great supporter of mine and doing great work um, under his own team also at the Tron just now. So I think uh, I think that's probably about enough for me tonight, today, whatever, whenever you're listening to this. Yeah, get drop me a line, give me a shout, let's talk about this. And uh, I really hope you're doing well this season. I hope you're staying well, staying safe. Um, and that the upcoming festivities aren't um, too much of a a burden on you that you're looking forward to that there's some good in them um, and if you're at a loose end please do come to McRobert and if you can snatch a ticket to Mall Goose I'd love to see you there 
and uh, don't sneak off, come and say hello, tell me you're there, it'd be great to see you. So, uh, until next week when I bring you a new episode, I'll just say what I always say. Cheerio now.